0: Now, welcome back to CCL's podcast, Lead With That, where we talk current events in pop culture to look at where leadership is happening and what's happening with leadership. Now, you've heard us say before, but sometimes it's hard to find something good about leaders and leadership to talk about. And while we know recently in America, there's loads to talk about from a leadership perspective, we've decided to take a slightly different angle today. In this season of thanks, uh, we wanted to be very intentional about having a discussion of the importance of gratitude. You know, as one of our epic colleagues, Pete Ronayne says, uh, gratitude and gratitude giving is one of those key components of burning brighter in the face of all that burnout. And so today, I took on the challenge and I challenged Allison as well for us to think a little bit more about what we've been grateful for this year, the kind of leaders and leadership that has been out there that I felt proud of. Because truthfully, there's more good out there. There's more of you doing good out there than not. And so I'm excited to hear what Allison is thankful for. I'm excited for you to think about what you're grateful for. And I can't wait to talk about some of the things that I've been thankful for. Today, we'll be giving some thanks, sharing some gratitudes, and thinking about leaders and leadership, the importance of facilitating environments where we can be grateful and an environment where we can be grateful for. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Ren Washington. And as usual, I'm joined with Alison Barr. Allison, what do you think about when you hear the word gratitude?
1: You know, Ren, as I listen to your introduction to our podcast today, and for our listeners, for what it's worth, we don't script and we don't hear what each other is going to say uh, prior to recording. So as I listen to your introduction, I can't help but admit that I'm going to spin us a little, and I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no apologies so, <laughs> necessary, please. I, I, one might say I'm grateful for the opportunity.
1: Oh, oh, shucks. So oh, had shucks. you asked me last week, I would have had a yeah. very different response. And I think okay. what this podcast might highlight for me is the importance of holding two truths together at once. So gratitude for me, had you asked me on Friday, for example, I might have said something like gratitude means being thankful, appreciative for not only just the people around me, but my community um, and everything that I I have in my life. However, or and I should say, Hmm. today's November 22nd, there was a mass shooting in my community three days ago in Colorado Springs. Gratitude right now feels maybe inappropriate, might be too strong of a word, um, community feels more appropriate to me right now. So I suppose I can say I'm grateful for my community coming together. Mm. However, I want to highlight that. I think many feelings and actions can exist at the same time. And I, I refuse to normalize mass shootings and I refuse to skirt over it and pretend like nothing's happened. And yeah. also highlighting you can have a lot of feelings and actions at the same time. So I am also grateful for my community and the way they've been coming together the past few days.
0: Yeah. Allison, thank you. I, I really appreciate you saying that and you're so right. You're all too right. I know maybe we're trying to take a, a different posture today, but uh, we can't help, but be honest about what's happening around us and in, in the homes and in cities and communities that we live in. And so, my heart goes out to you and everyone in Colorado Springs, as you know, Allison, and, and some of our listeners, I lived in Colorado Springs for 16 years. My parents-in-law still live up in the north side of town, and so we're thinking about you all. And, and two part of, I think, what gratitude for me, I was thinking about this idea of grateful leaders or gratitude in leadership, and then this list came up of what makes a great leader. And so that's interesting, and then there's this thing, this this frame that looked at, well, maybe this connection part of leadership is, is one of those things that we can be grateful for. And so when I think of leaders or leadership or the social process of leadership at at CCL, what we say, I'm I'm often grateful for a community finding a way to come together and in face of horror and unite and and lift one another. So thanks, thanks again. I'm glad you said that.
1: hmm Yeah. And I think Two, what you just said made me think of leadership. And it is a social process, as you just said. And it's not simply a means to productivity, though that's part of it in the business world. It's also a means to elevate others, like you just said, and having that uh mindset of gratitude certainly can help to elevate those around you. And I think that from 2020 to now, and perhaps maybe continuing on, though I say that with fingers crossed, there's been some uncertainty, and volatility that we're all experiencing and it seems to be perpetual these days. And it has affected workplaces. It's impacted communities in various ways. And it does require a new mindset. So when you say a gratitude mindset, when we talk about burning bright versus burning out, it's different. I'd say it's different now than if we were talking about this in 2019. And what I think is so fascinating is that some of our more recent research here at CCL found that there are three critical mindsets that can help leaders to manage reactions, to manage ambiguity, to manage volatility, to connect with others, as you said, and really create powerful results together in the midst of that disruption. And so, you know, that all of them require different means of strength, resiliency to some respect, and vulnerability as well. So those mindsets are curiosity, courage and compassion and of course gratitude fits in there as well probably in all three of those areas as well. So what what do you think, Ran, about those three mindsets? Do you think those are the new you know, the new leader moving forward?
0: And just to target it one more time, say it again, the three mindsets are
1: curiosity, courage and compassion.
0: I love the 3 Cs, curiosity, courage and compassion. That the model of the new
1: leader,
0: probably a model of really effective leadership. Mm. Uh, I think most of the good leaders that have impacted me, and or that have impacted groups that I operate in, or teams that I appreciate, or or organizations that I'm proud of, I'd say those things are are pretty common, and that makes me think too around one of the. When I think about gratitude in the context of our conversation today, I. A lot of what you said there is how it can cultivate gratitude and support of burnout and those kind of perspectives. You know, something about compassion. I'm a big fan of for internal compassion, like grace towards yourself, curiosity about yourself too. Why not courage in the face of being yourself? So those things cool and resonate with me. Uh, but also, I wonder those things as it shifts to the environments. You know, I'm really grateful for environments that foster innovation, environments that cultivate risk taking that enable failing fast uh, to win long, as I might say. Yeah, I was looking around at this idea of innovation and and why am I grateful for it? It's the holiday season, Black Friday's on the march, Cyber Monday, you know, you're getting hit with this bevy of innovations. And I was in this, uh, this conference with this group of leaders, and we were all just having this conversation how so often people want innovation, they want change, they expect it around them. And then when it looks at their own behaviors, there's this kind of pause and this you know, I don't know if we should do this. And, and so maybe I'm grateful for leaders that can cultivate an environment where we look at our practices and we say, it's okay to change what you've done. It's not a referendum on what you've done in the past. It's just a recognition that we all need to go forward.
1: Yeah, and it takes courage to do that, don't you think? It can. I don't know. Why?
0: Why? I'd say I, my, Why does it take courage? I don't know. Yeah. T- help me understand.
1: I share the same perspective as you. I value, and I love innovation. It's important, too, for business growth. And I've worked in environments, not at CCL, but I've worked in environments where people hold tightly to tradition. And to be in that kind of environment, some of our listeners might be, and to push up against the tradition, quote unquote, the traditional culture that exists at your organization can take courage. It can, because you're going okay, against the you. norm, and you are you might be saying to some people, You have to change what they hear rather is you have to change. You have to change everything. And that's not necessarily what we're saying. It's just progression, right? It's like we're taking you can have innovation and tradition at the same time. So I think those organizations that hold tightly to tradition, you you probably do need some courage to speak up about that.
0: Got you. So it's not that innovation in and of itself is courageous. It's just that typically innovation then requires one to look at the establishment and say, hey, you there, maybe we should think of things differently.
1: Well, now that you say it, yeah, so yes to that, and it can be both. It can be <clears> the act of innovation, even if you are an environment that cultivates it, can also be courageous. If you're innovating a new product that has worked just fine and you're changing, making changes to it, that's That can be courageous, that can involve some courage as an example.
0: And where I see that too, and I think the impetus of this this per- first leg of gratitude for me is that uh, at the fringes of science, and maybe not the fringes if that's too spicy, but at the frontier of science, especially like neuroscience, biotech, I mean, there's all these companies right now, and for whatever you think of traditional science or the FDA, uh, I know that ALS. Or, or what's also known as Lou Gehrig's disease is is in really, really impacting so many people across the world, and is typically nearly always fatal. And there's these new pharmaceutical companies that are at that forefront trying to find uh, these treatments for ALS. I mean, these these approved where they're actually getting good results from peer-reviewed studies and appropriately managed things that are coming out into the market, too, maybe even also there to fight against and manage Alzheimer's as well. And so when I think about the idea that the generations behind us will hopefully create an environment where the ales for today no longer exist, I mean, I'm grateful for anyone who would create an environment that would say maybe today's solutions aren't the answers to tomorrow's problems.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I have to tell you, I'm, I am grateful this. I'm not trying to be cheesy, but <laughs> I'm grateful that you just brought that up because I'll share with you last night, my partner, Roger and I, we took um, his daughter out to dinner with the, I think we're calling him the boyfriend. Oh. So I hesitate to say that. So if she's listening, she can correct me here, but I think we're calling him the boyfriend.
0: Let's call him the boyfriend. We'll
1: call him. Well, I don't, you know, they're minors, so I don't want to name, I don't want to give names.
0: Okay. No titles. We're, we're, we're cool and hip kids (laughs) as we say things like cool and hip. So we don't need titles. It's cool. It's cool.
1: It's cool. cool. (laughs) Anyway, you know, we're, we're we're asking him, uh, this is a 16 year old by the way, we're asking him about school. (laughs) Uh, We were asking him about, you know, school and life and what's going on in his world. And he shared with us that he started. The biggest club and the most successful club at his school. And we asked him, you know, what's that about? And he said, Oh, we do random acts of kindness. And it's the most popular, oh. most popular club at our school. And um, it's so much fun and we really enjoy doing it. So I'm segueing here a little bit, but you talked about generations, you know, younger generations maybe finding new solutions to to problems. And I very much appreciate the younger generations and what they're doing. And that would be another example too um, times are tough. And for some, a 16 year old to, to by himself, start his own club, gather a bunch of people at school, as well as teachers and volunteers to help spread random acts of kindness in our community. Uh, it does warm my heart. It does.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I am that grateful for those that design with all of us in mind and so often I, I look around and I just feel so thankful that I'm here because of so many people. So many people who I know, who I don't know, have helped forge a path for me here. And, and I was reading this really cool story around these parks departments across the country are beginning to offer free all-terrain wheelchairs at their visitor centers for disabled peoples to explore these n- nature natural reserves in these state parks i mean colorado michigan south dakota just some of them and and one of the the consultants for it said we just want to create an unforgettable outdoor experience for everyone and my family is big on hiking and big on nature and my kids really love being in nature my wife my god they they need it sometimes i need to just go outside because you're getting a little bit too inundated with the tech and and for so many people they don't have access to that and and so now I just love someone who's saying, well, why not? What's stopping us? And, and what an interesting story about this young man saying, why not be kind? What's stopping us? And, and maybe that goes back to the first environment of how do you cultivate an environment where people fail fast and they say, why not? And then really, we believe maybe this thing that we always hear in leaders or leadership where we assume positive intent. Well, maybe we maybe I'm going to throw in an extra gratitude. I am grateful for the chimes, the chances, the times that I can assume positive intent because it typically works better for me and the people I'm involved with.
1: Absolutely. And I, I want you, if you don't mind to clarify, what does failing fast mean for those of us who haven't heard that term before?
0: Yeah, thanks. I know I, I use it a couple of times and maybe I, for, for me, it means this idea of an environment where we're not so scared to fail that we keep on doing the same things because excellence is the only thing that we know, or rather failure is so abhorrent. And so fail fast is take risks, learn what's wrong, break it early. Let's get through the process of validating and checking and and let's fail as often and as frequently as we can in the beginning so by the time we're done with the process, we have something that's refined, something that's perfected, something that, that we're not afraid to pressure test. I think so many people tiptoe through solutions where then it finally hits the market or it finally hits their people's ears and then all of a sudden it crumbles and, and like, well, what happened? Well, we didn't, we didn't explore any of this because no one was enabled or felt courageous enough or had the courage or felt empowered enough to say, hey, something's broken. It's a long winding way as my way to say fail fast is an idea that let's just quickly get all of the bad stuff out of the way as opposed to waiting and pretending nothing's broken so we have a better product at the end.
1: This might be another podcast. You might say to me, let's sidebar that. However, I'm going to ask you anyway. If you're a leader, how do you cultivate that environment?
0: Uh, An environment for failing fast? Yes. I imagine it's some of the social contracting that has to exist in the layers of leadership and throughout the organization. I mean, you could have a culture of, on my team, we fail fast, and then someone misses the mark, and then they're summarily fired or put on a a performance improvement plan. And so that's what I would say is some incongruence with team functioning and the organizational hierarchy. So some of you might be listening, like, great, Ren, thanks a bunch, fail fast. Also, no can do. Uh, They fire people out here for failing. And, you know, I would look around you and say, well, what kind of environments can you provide enough safety for one another where you can practice those things while your maniacal boss shakes their fist at failure? So I, I, I that's a larger conversation. I think I would say probably you and I align and we say, hey, what is our appetite for failure? What is an acceptable means for missing the mark? What does appropriate risk taking look like? you and i might just have to really define these things and i mean it's direction it's alignment it's commitment it's these early conversations we have as team members where we say what does failure look like what does success look like and then you and i agree that every time we top into a new project we just do a quick reset because not every failure looks the same for every piece of work i don't know does that work
1: yeah that works that works we can come back to it if we decide to in another episode yeah, we might have to. and and you're highlighting Part of the three C's again, too, the curiosity, the curiosity part in that to have an environment that nourishes failing fast also involves that curiosity mindset. I'll give you an example. And again, truly grateful that I get to work with my partner, Abigail, who works in our societal impact Mm
0: -hmm. department
1: in equity, diversity, inclusion. And she and I were working on a project yesterday, and I said to her, I need to verbally process and say a bunch of things that are wrong first, because I get those out of the way. I'm a verbal processor and then I'll eventually get to it. Right. And she said, okay, great. Just, just start talking and just start talking. So I start talking. She's asking me detailed questions and eventually we get there. So that social contracting and the curiosity can really create an environment at the workplace. One of emerging leaders, shared leadership, and two, of psychological safety, you allow people to share ideas and potential innovation as well.
0: I'm coming around on the three C's, Allison. I, I got to tell you, I, at first I was like, OK, cool, another frame, another three C's, we like it. Humans love alliteration, especially Americans. Uh, but that yes, I think there's so much in this idea of gratitude for innovation, for failure, to look around you with perspective. That's what I think gratitude gives us. It gives us perspective. I look around at a failure doing our air quote thing here in our organizations, and we go, "Okay, yeah, that's a miss, but does it benefit?" And a lot and frequently, typically, because we look at our our organizations and the thriving businesses that exist because of the people who take risks and learn from those risks. And it's I see a lot of this happening where times are. Tight and tough and leaders innovate and they get in there and they they push through the curve and then times get better and times get comfortable. Maybe they lose sight of that and it gets uncomfortable to dive back into those spaces. And and so maybe with curiosity, maybe with the courage, courageous behavior. And then, too, I compassion is so such a big thing for me. If I could write anything about the importance of of compassion towards yourself and another I think it cultivates that ability to to take risks. I mean, how often is it that we are our harshest critic? And I think that's so true. Of so many high performers, and then they they don't want to take risks because they don't want to be chastised by others, but really by themselves. I mean, that's what we always talk about with growth mindset and the learning curve. People quit the dip because they're like, "This sucks being down here," but maybe it only sucks because we're so cruel to ourselves about it. And so maybe with some compassion, all of a sudden. We're innovating.
1: Why do you think people are so hard on themselves?
0: Well, uh, our puritanical ethos, probably. Hundreds of years of of all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I think probably. But no, when I look around the globe, and I think honestly around a lack of Mm self-acceptance, a lack of clarity on... What I care about and why, you know, we're having, you were talking about Roger's daughter and the, and the young man who seems to care about kindness. And my daughter, she's a senior in high school. She's on the way to college. And we're having these real conversations around self-validation. And so many teenagers, and I remember it, and I think so many adults struggle with this idea of being okay with who they are because they know what they want and why. And I think for so many people, that's so murky. And so there's no compassion for self because you look around at the behavior that's rewarded. You look around at the behavior that's punished. And you're like, I don't know, maybe this like, weird self-flagellation thing is what we're all supposed to be doing. When I think the science and the data and the anecdotes point to communities of culture, communities that and cultures that have courage and curiosity and compassion, as you were saying, and as I'm coming around to. Create an environment of innovation. So, I don't know why do people are mean to themselves. Why do you think people are mean to themselves? Why can't they be compassionate?
1: There's probably a lot of varying reasons.
0: <laughs> Depends yeah. on,
1: you know, like the culture yeah. that you were raised in, mm-hmm. what you become accustomed to, the environment around you, what you were socialized to do, what you saw your parents model. You know, it, human beings are so complex. Um, I don't know the answer. It depends. I can be hard on myself because I like to produce quality work. I've done a lot of like self-work around that. But if I think back to like 10 years ago, gosh, so hard. my worst, I own risk critic. And I can guarantee you that other people were not thinking about my failures as much as I thought they were. <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. So if I could offer anyone that advice, people are not honing in on your failures in the way that you think that they are. So who knows? I mean, there's probably a variety of reasons, but self-compassion is a great thing to focus on for any leader. As we say at the center, and as uh, you probably hear a lot of cliches, you have to focus on yourself in order to lead others, right? You have to lead yourself to lead others. You have to put on your oxygen mask first in order to help others. It's very cliche, but it's also very, very true. So that's self-compassion, self-courage. Self-curiosity first is, is crucial. And I do want to add, though, not to get too hung up on self, 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 because if you're only focused on self, then you're limiting how you might nourish those around you and how you might nourish the collective. And I also think sometimes we get really hung up as a culture on self, 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 when community can also help you to focus on yourself while also healing the community at the same time. You can have both. Hmm.
0: That's an interesting juxtaposition because I don't know if I would consider people's index on the self like you're talking about, the self, 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 as an example of true air mask first. I would say that self, self, self is in service of the wrong communities. It's like in service of seeking acceptance and validation from places that don't value you will never accept you. And so you model a self that doesn't reflect who and what you are. And real acceptance and inclusion, and I'm grateful for people who do that, look at you and say, you're welcome here. Your true self is welcome here. And in service of yourself, maybe you'll serve the community. Or maybe in service of the community, you'll find yourself. So I I hear you, and I, I will probably, I mean, unsurprisingly, I think we agree on that what i think from a leadership standpoint again and what an interesting story you said around the boyfriend because we're calling him the boyfriend is that he seems to have a keen or at least his group seems to know something around their value and if you can tether what people value to what they're grateful for or vice versa then you can create these these virtuous cycles that start to perpetuate positivity through your environment and so i guess as a leader Again, what does value-driven leadership look like? How can you demonstrate gratitude for risk-taking, for innovation, for someone walking the talk? Maybe that's how you can capture some of that.
1: Yeah, perhaps. Two things. We're calling we're calling him the boyfriend because he's a minor, so I just want to clarify that. He's a minor. I'm not going to say his name on a public podcast. That's why we're calling him the boyfriend.
0: Oh, no. Oh, cool. friend.
1: The friend, if that's better. Anyhow. Um,
0: I, and clarify for me, I'm just calling him the boyfriend. Cause I think that's hilarious. And I have a teenage daughter too. So my job is basically to make in, them embarrassed. So I'm just doing my job.
1: Okay. Good yeah. job. Good job.
0: Yep. Thank you. So Thank
1: you. if you're a parent and you're listening, your job is to embarrass your children. As Ren just said, <laughs> Sound bite.
0: It's a soundbite. It's a polarity. We were talking a lot about polarities.
1: Okay. Regardless. I think there's nuances to everything that almost nothing is black and white and except for nothing is black and white. That's the only black and white statement Mm. I will make. Everything is nuanced. What I want to clarify and what I'm saying is if I do think we live in a culture, not everywhere, of course, where it is self, self, self. What can I do to succeed? What can I do to buy the house? What can I do to get the next role? What can Mm -hmm. me, 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 me? It is. Phrased as self development. Hmm. Sure. I mean, sure. However, when we talk about leadership, it is social, it is a social process. And there are times when those around you can support you in your development. It does not always have to be how can I solve this myself? What can I do? That's harmful. It's harmful. And you won't get the best out of a group anyway, a community, a team at the workplace. A whole organization. Could you imagine if at CCL you never reached out to anyone for anything? Yes. How would that how would that go? If you were making a custom design with some material that the client asked for that you weren't familiar with, you'd probably do fine because you're a smart human. But if your job was always to do that and you never reached out to anybody and you never got fresh perspectives, you never asked the Pete Ronanes, hey, what are some other ways I can look at gratitude? You're limited mm-hmm. and your, your product, quote unquote, your product is going to get old very fast.
0: Yeah, we do say flourishing is not a solo endeavor. Truth. Yeah. And, and I think there's probably plenty of people out there who would look around themselves and say, well, not for me. And, and again, I don't know if we're here to debate or change anyone's mind to that end. But I think what you're highlighting is something important around the recognition of the amplification of the social processing of the leadership. And I think when we engage each other in those spaces being, yeah, as we talk about this, I'm saying maybe part of gratitude is humility, being humble enough to ask for help, being in an environment where people demonstrate gratitude for the asking for the help. And so I I keep on coming back. Maybe the best way to do all of this as whoever's listening is whether or not you feel fully empowered to create environments that put a priority on courage and curiosity and compassion is is that you yourself might be able to model some of those behaviors uh, in a a way that that you can control your reactions to the way things are operating and i'm always reminded that that's what all of us have a choice every time in the face of an organization is to do nothing or shrug our shoulders or create a random acts of kindness club and then maybe it becomes the most popular club around
1: right and then what right the the mission of that club is is doing some good. It's doing some good out there. I don't think anyone would dispute that spreading kindness is a good thing. We might have one or two out there who would, you know, but most people would say, that's really, wow, that's really great. And in the act of uh, practicing what I preach, curiosity, right? There's some interesting science around gratitude as well, that gratitude, the act of gratitude can produce serotonin, it can um, increase dopamine levels in the brain. And so I want to be cautious that I'm not, I'm not suggesting that when there's a mass shooting, you jump to gratitude. I'm not saying that we should bypass when things are tough. But what I am saying is that the simple act of expressing gratitude can change some chemicals in your brain and um, shift your perspective in, in the process as well. There's a, a lot of times in programs I might say, hey, you're going to take five minutes, have a conversation with your partner and just share all of the things that you're grateful for. And then I ask, how do you feel? Like, how do you feel after doing that? And I don't tell them the science first, right? People usually feel pretty good, pretty, pretty good. So there's some science around gratitude. That's um, fa- just fascinating.
0: I, uh, when I think about the brain chemistry involved in the gratitude giving, I think about one tool in a very vast toolkit. You, you're absolutely right that if something traumatic happens, you don't necessarily need to jump right to gratitude. And gratitude is one of those tools I use when feeling stressed, when feeling overwhelmed, when feeling sad, when feeling depleted. And there'd be reasons why, because of serotonin and dopamine. And uh, you know, what an interesting challenge for you to see if you can get enough serotonin and dopamine from being gracious enough uh, that'd be an interesting exercise for 40 days but i think the the big message for me in this whole space is the pause uh, i'm really coming around on the courage and the curiosity and 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 mostly the compassion and maybe that's the the link there and and then what all of that does for our perspective taking you know i think what you were talking about earlier around the individual versus the group and would you thrive alone if you didn't reach out and and I know there's a lot of folks who have to thrive alone and and it's okay too <laughs> like that that's be compassionate to self and then maybe let the community lift you up and amplify you. I always think leaders are force multiply be a leader someone can be grateful for how I try to be your best self for people because you're a leader, whether or not you have a title, and so y- you listener are. Uh, a leader for someone, and you are in a position for someone to be grateful for. And so something you said too, Alison, really resonates for me around this idea of the self first, the me, 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 and self as service. What if I sharpened all of my saws for self in service of others? Because I'm actually a big proponent in, a lot of my energy comes from in the continuum of harmony versus challenging. Uh, in the continuum versus uh, creating the group first, as opposed to meeting my own needs, I I recognize that I need to be really sure that my gas tank is full before I can facilitate for others. And so for me, and, and we talk about this networking all the time in our programs, especially the work that I'm doing, is people don't like to network because they don't want to be like, oh, Allison, how can you help me? Or oh, who can I step on to get where I'm going? I'm like, no, what if you just had a really keen awareness of what you were good at? And then highlighting who around you is doing the work that you want to do and say, hey, how can I help? And what was it look like to actively and, and functionally say, I'm working on this to help people? You know, the let's go back to the boyfriend. There had to be some kind of awareness. Maybe, and maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe there was some unconscious competence. But I look at that exercise and I think, well, maybe this person said, okay, well, I like to connect with people. It's something I'm pretty good at. I can cultivate this environment. Um. It's something I've worked on, and hey, look, I can use it for positive means. I only think self, self, self is bad when it's used for negative means. It might go back to our conversation, like, does altruism matter? Would it matter if the boyfriend was only doing that to stroke his own ego if he's got the most popular club in school, and the most popular club in school is called Random Acts of Kindness? Now, that'd be a positive outcome for ego stroking. So I just said a whole bunch there, but... it. <laughs> Reminds me just around all of the gratitude that I have for you for listening in.
1: So you just there's so many things in my brain that have from what you've just said. So we can we can come back. And I am grateful because you and I have a lot of really impactful conversations that cause me to think in new ways and cause me to be curious and think about how can I look at this differently. And I very much appreciate that we can come to these recordings and not literally look at a script and have these Unique conversations, and the first thing I want to say is I think it. So we'll come back to this. I hope in another podcast. I don't think it's good to focus holistically on self. So I digress. We'll come back.
0: I'll come back to that. Okay, that's the next one. And the self versus the other.
1: (laughs) What this highlights for me is something you already said too, which is a spectrum. There's everything exists on a spectrum. Today, I might be focused on myself because I'm trying to process my emotions of what happened in this community. That's okay. But if I did that every single day of my life, probably not a good thing, focusing on myself only. I mean, I, we'll come back to that if, yeah. if we choose. <clears throat> and I think- oh,
0: that, I, I think we agree. What
1: this conversation highlights for me is, you know, if you are a leader who's experiencing a lot of disruption at the workplace, or not even, try focusing on one of those three mindsets this week. Try try asking yourself, how can I be more curious today? How can I be more courageous today? How can I be more compassionate today? And depending on the environment you are in, you might need to direct those to yourself first. It just depends. However, I would challenge, I would challenge you if you are listening to try to focus on one of those three C's this week and see what happens. Just see what happens. I also have to give credit where credit is due because those three C's. Come from Carissa McKenna at CCL and part of her team and portfolio. Um, they developed the three C's in our LDP program, Leadership Development Program, which is amazing. And I was looking into it today as I'm designing some other content for another program. So the timing was perfect for me to be looking at that this morning because mm-hmm. it really resonated with me, especially when there's disruption in your environment as those three mindsets being crucial for you to be able to move forward in a leaderly way, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that said to our listeners, our challenge is to you, how can you be more curious? How can you be more courageous? How can you be more compassionate? And I have to give a special, um, heartfelt gratitude to Emily and Ryan. Who are behind the scenes? They always make our podcast happen so seamlessly. So we are grateful for you. And I also want to acknowledge that, again, today's the 22nd of November. There are 15 plus different holidays that happen between now and January 1st. So a very happy holiday season to all of you. Um, You can find all of our show notes and episodes on CCL.org. And we look forward to connecting with you next time. Thanks, Ren.
0: Thanks, Allison. And thank you, everyone. We're grateful for you too. Find Allison on TikTok. (laughs) Thanks, everyone. See you next time.